Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. We're on the final leg of our Secret Society's flash fiction contest, and while the entries are still trickling in, we need more. Help us finish this one with a bang, children of the night. Spread the word, or better yet, submit your own terrifying tale. By now I'm sure you know the drill. Tales to terrify.com slash flash contest. That's where you'll find everything you need. You've got until midnight on March 1st, so release those demons before it's too late. With the start of March just around the bend, this is also the last time you're going to hear from me in the hosting seat for a little while. March, of course, is Women in Horror Month here at Tales to Terrify, and that means our nefarious fiction editor, Meredith Morgenstern, We'll be taking the hot seat, along with the help of a few fiendish friends, to share some insights into the incredible impact women have had in our genre. Joining Meredith for the festivities this time around are a couple of other members of our Tales to Terrify staff, Crystal Hammond and Kathy Palm. Needless to say, you're going to be in exceptionally good hands. I'm excited and filled with the best kind of dread to hear what they've got in store for you. But for tonight, 
I've got the pleasure of serving you up some terror to tide you over. Let's dig in. We have one tale for you this evening, which comes from Ed Serkin. Ed Serkin enjoys all things dark and creepy. He writes scary stuff in the free time his job as a copywriter for a New York ad agency allows him. Father of two young adults and one grumpy cat, Ed has been married for 28 years to an eternally cheerful woman who still wonders how she got mixed up with him. Children of the Night, join me for Ed Serkin's Unburied, a Tales to Terrify original. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Turn the top lock, then the bottom. Try the knob. Lying in bed, eyes on the ceiling, I'm going through the ritual I performed hours ago when Josie returned from her night out with friends. Josie has a bad habit of leaving the door unlocked. She did it tonight. That's why the ritual is important. 
I look over at Josie. She can fall asleep in minutes. It's a superpower I can only dream of. Well, if I could sleep. Past her, hovering against the bedroom's window, my reflection's features look smeared and leering, as though drawn up through water. It's the trick of the rain turning my own face against me. Rain David versus real David. The outside versus the in. Josie was the one who suggested that she move in. So far, so good. I'm happy. I'm happy she's here. I'm happy. I say these words to myself three more times because three has always been strong enough to do the trick. I say it once more to catch up to any negative thoughts that might want to skip the line because four is an even number and stronger for it. The lock still bugs me, though. I peel back the warmth of the blanket, settle my toes on the cold floor and stand up. The bedside clock blinks a bland green accusation. 4 a.m. She'll be up in two hours and headed to the train station for work. I am careful. This wouldn't be the first time Josie has caught me on what she calls my night patrols. It's not the words, but how she says it that sinks hooks into me. It's true that the ones we love are best at hurting us. Josie doesn't understand the seeds that were planted in me since childhood. That's what my therapist says. What was nurtured by my mother will take a very long time to uproot. The first step, the biggest, was agreeing to share my house with Josie. My therapist said to expect this. My anxieties to not stay quiet, to refuse to remain buried. The stairs practically start right outside our bedroom. I take them, slow, hand on rail. At the bottom, in front of the door, I try the knob in hopes of reaching my rational side that knows that the door is locked. That's why the ritual is important. The doorknob tells me it's locked, of course. That's why the ritual... Will you stop it? It's been two weeks since Josie moved in. We're happy together. I'm happy she's here. I'm happy. Who are you trying to convince? I release the knob, step into the living room. It might be too small for the couch Josie convinced me we needed. The flat-screen TV is wall-mounted. Its remote sit on a wooden table before the sprawling couch, bone-colored in daylight but bleached colorless now. Josie's blouse rests on the arm, as well as the bra she took off. She forgot to bring them upstairs. Memories intrude of Mom picking up stray pieces from my Lego sets, admonishing me for not keeping my toys in order. I think Mom would have loved what Josie has done with the house. Maybe not Dad, but Mom, for sure. The house came to me after Dad, drunk again, wrapped their Honda around a pole returning from a Christmas party. That was three years ago. Josie moving in represents change and upheaval to my norm, just like my parents' deaths did. That's what my therapist thinks. And we resist change. I catch my stretched image across the TV's blank screen as I lean to take up her things. I tuck them under my arm as I go through the kitchen door and on into the kitchen. Here, I ensure that the top lock on the deck door is engaged. It is. I go to the kitchen counter and over to the knife block. A steak knife, kitchen shears, butcher knife, and three little ones with serrated teeth. A thumb-sized David head flashes at me from every blade I pull out to count. Everyone, in their right place. Mom's words. Next, the oven. The fires are off. All fires are out. Another David jumps into view on the oven's glass to watch what I'm doing. Have I forgotten something? 
Have you? I force myself from the kitchen, pass through the living room, and upstairs to the bedroom. I lay her clothes on the dresser's top. What could you be forgetting? Back in bed, Josie sleeps, turned away. With the light, her hair is a cheerful strawberry, but black now. I stretch a hand toward her, and she yanks the blanket over her head. Necessarily, she slurs. I pull at Josie, but she resists, swatting back like I'm a gnat. She doesn't understand that she is my anchor. Josie has a way of moving through life with an effortless smile. Jealous of more than how fast she can sleep? A step on the stairs keeps me from closing my eyes. The sound spreads, a crack in a pane of glass branching out. I swing my legs over until I'm touching the floor. This time, the coldness seeps under my bare toes as I step to the doorway. I spare a look over at Josie, who remains motionless. Should I be grateful? I don't know. Half of me wants her to wake and tell me she heard it too, or even better, that she did not. She could tell me that I'm just being me, having another of my episodes. Maybe I am. In the end, I still leave her. That's why the ritual is important. It is, David. Edging through the doorway, I brace for a blow to come. When there is nothing, I cross over to my office, slink through the half-open door, and snatch a paperweight from the desk where I proofread. It's a souvenir from a family trip to Arizona celebrating my high school graduation. That was back in 2017. It's hefty in my hand. A chunk of quartz crystal with Arizona on the attached metal square. I remember rubbing my fingers over its glassy surface, drawn to it. This, too, is one of my rituals. Josie has caught me sneaking downstairs on routine walks around the house with this very rock in my hand. Night patrolling? She usually asks with rolled eyes and a slow shake of her head. She's patient, but everyone has a limit. I turn on the light at the top of the stairs and descend, ever mindful of my weight pressing into each wooden slat. Halfway down, and it's the blood swishing in my ears, the tightness across my chest, which alerts me before my eyes do. Standing with one foot on the lowest slat, the invader leans his body forward, and the same creak I heard repeats. Hey, I say. The face that turns up to me is mine. But not exactly. The blood in my ears becomes a dull roar. The paperweight is almost too heavy to keep in my shaking hand. I need to support it with my other as I come to three small steps away from where he is. He's completely naked. That's clear from what dangles between his legs. It's as shriveled and gray as the rest of his body. Dirty, too. Black soil clings to his damp flesh. My legs move through syrup, but they do get me down to just above where he rests his gray, black-nailed toes. I lift one hand out toward him, but before I can touch, he quickly spins away. Transfixed, locked in dream logic, I stare at his spine in relief. A knobby pole of white under the rubbery skin. I can see now that there are bubbles in the dirt-caked flesh, round, like blisters. Josie's always forgetting, he says over his shoulder, while fingers too long for any human hand work at the door. Top. Bottom. He grips the knob with those wormy digits, pulls at it to ensure it's set, and backs off, tossing his head back as though to dislodge the thoughts creeping in. I know those thoughts all too well. Top. Bottom, I say before catching myself. Stop. I almost shout, gaining control at the last minute, sending my gaze up where, I pray, Josie sleeps undisturbed. It's locked. I take note of his hair, how it's plastered to the back of his skull, wet, 
gleaming. Crumbs of blackish-brown earth cling to the strands. He must have come in from outside. But how, if the door's locked? It's never locked, he answers, without facing me, catching my thoughts in the air, snaring them, stealing them. Outraged, I race down to the bottom and hit him with the paperweight. Door David collapses, but the damage doesn't last, and he's up on his feet as quick as he went down. His muskiness fills my nose as if my face had been shoved into dirt as he slouches into my way. His thought couples with my own. He doesn't want to hurt me. He wants me to know. You have to be sure, says Dord David. I backpedal from the hall, and in my haste, stumble. The TV comes to life, spraying a block of light across the living room and catching onto the seated figure whose feet I trip over. Its sharp nails slice my ankle, drawing blood. She's left the TV on says Couch David. The dirt flicks off his finger as he points at the flat screen. You didn't check. He peels his soggy bareness off the couch, revealing dark, runny streaks on the cushions he rested on. Couch David's eyes are cartoonishly oversized. The pupils are in tiny black dots, rolling around the eggshell white solera. I always check. I'm defensive. He can tell. We can tell. I realize then that I no longer have the paperweight. It must have fallen from my hand when I got cut. I'm on all fours looking for it. I don't see it. Frantically, I'm scanning the carpet when another one joins me, resting on his knees. Floor David tilts forward and asks, Where did we drop it? On the TV, a car swerves off the road and bursts into a bright fireball. A loud fireball. David? Josie calls out. The TV's noise concealed the door opening above us. I fear one of them might answer Josie. Could they have stolen my voice as well as my thoughts? The pause stretches. I can feel their eyes on me, expectant, frightened as I am. She can't come down. She can't see us like this and know the parts of me I bury. We won't allow it. It's okay, responds Couch David before I can. Where is my weapon? I need to keep him from saying more. Where is it? echoes Floor David, which only sets my head ablaze, much like the car disappearing into flames on the screen bathing us in its glow. We can't leave our Lego out, David. You're watching TV? Josie sounds incredulous, a tad annoyed. I can't blame her. The TV is loud. I force a smile that I hope she'll feel as I speak, rushing ahead of Couch David. Can't sleep. I'll be up soon. Go back to bed. I wonder what they'll do if she doesn't listen. I don't know. I'm just having an episode. I say and smile wider while hunting for the remote. The hand that drops down before my eyes has it served to me on the wide platter of its palm. I snatch it and stab the off button. Sorry. I sound frazzled. She'll see through me. I know it. Then miracle of miracles. The upper door glides shut, but not before I hear a muttered hiss of exasperation. I need something to defend myself if I can't find the rock. A steak knife. Kitchen shears. Butcher knife. I can't run to the kitchen. The cut on my ankle burns. And even before I'm in the next room, I smell more of them. You have to check, David. I slap the kitchen light on. In the brightness, there is knife, David, counting off the implements slipping one after the other from the holder before shoving them back in by their handle. Everyone, says Knife David, angling my way. He's naked, like the other Davids, but his face droops. One eye is like a runny egg as it slides down his cheek. And everything in their right place. There's another staring out the screen door with his hand in motion, palm pressed to the glass, tracing the raindrops across its surface. You can never be too sure, David. Rain David moans as his mouth unlatches from its spot and rides down the skin like it's liquid. He leans down to do what I did not, to check the bottom latch. 
The screen door has two locks. I overlooked the second one on my patrol. No, you were careless. You forgot. He points at the metal to show me what I missed. That's why the ritual is important. The crawling mouth issues, now nestled in the crook of his throat. Lock it, I plead. Why should he? He is right. They are right. You can never be too sure, his mom would say. God rest her soul. And never too careful. Pace to check and recheck, or else how can you know? Mom loved order, abhorred chaos, and who's left to keep order now she's gone? Not Josie. She can't even remember to lock the front door. The Davids pivot to me, invisible strings pulling their heads around and making their chins wag, nodding their agreement. The space reeks of the earth. Now, I know why. Past the wet curtain that has become the deck door, mounds of earth have been pushed up to vomit their contents out, anthills overspilling a chaotic display of life when kicked, that's what my backyard looks like as it's dismantled by the David shapes raising themselves out of the ground. As I watch, another David is birthed, clawing his way out from his hole. He pushes aside the displaced soil and shakily stands with his hands raised, grasping at the dripping sky. Never too careful, he says as he claws at the clouds above. Never too sure. He makes his way onto the porch, earth trailing behind in his wake, and crashes into the screen door before bouncing back and steadying himself on his feet. Others are behind the newborn, waiting their turn as Rain David looks at me, then unlocks the screen door and lets the first one in. A woman cries out from the next room, but it's not Josie, it's the television springing on again. I limp back into the living room. Rage mixes with my fear. I pinch the bridge of my nose to clear my head of the red flower throwing off explosions behind my eyes. I need to bring this under control. I need to stop them from coming into the house. But first, I must turn that fucking TV off. Couch David has left the remote lying on his knee. When I grab it, he clutches my hand by the wrist, holding me in place. He's a lot stronger than he has any right to be. Looking so wiry, sinewy. I'm happy, he says. I am. We're happy. We're both very happy. Oily tears streak down from his bulbous eyes. We're happy, aren't we? I struggle against his fleshy clamp. Aren't we? Yes! My throat is raw from the shout, and my spittle joins the tears. Liar. Freed, I can't hit the off button hard enough to stem my mind from jumping. For a second, the screen stubbornly remains frozen to show me a woman in close-up, her mouth stretched into a scream. Then there's the black and the thrum of my heart slamming in my chest. Even so, I can't help carefully placing the controller on the table. David? It's Josie. Is everything okay? I'm swiping in my own tears, rising from the couch to answer. No, I am already standing. It's the David on the couch who is sitting. I feel Couch David stare regardless. It's me that responds to Josie, so why does his mouth open too? I fell. Cut myself. I say while watching Couch David, daring him to reflect my reply. He does or doesn't. Are you all right? Before I can respond, the kitchen door swings outward and brings more figures into the living room. The area isn't large enough to contain them all, not with Josie's enormous couch, but they come, piling in, shambling, crawling, lurching. They murmur as they invade. Medicine David wonders aloud if I took my medicine tonight. Conspiracy David whispers that our parents aren't dead, that the wrong people are buried in the family grave, and shouldn't we be sure that everyone is in their right place? Don't we owe Mom that? I shove my hands over my ears so I don't hear what they cannot contain themselves from voicing. I will not scream and scare Josie. I will not. Three times. Four. 
and two more to catch my negative selves from leaping into the pilot seat because I can feel them sinking their own anxieties into me, filling me with the venom we share. I will not scream and scare Josie, says one of my shadows. He mimics me by cuffing his ears and swaying in my path. I push earmuff David away, but others come up to fill the space I've forced open. They're surrounding me. I can no longer pinpoint their origin. I'm not sure it matters. I'm happy. It's an accusation in my ears and on my tongue. I am saying it. No, they are. I need to check the door, then the kitchen, and then we can find peace. We can go upstairs and fall asleep next to Josie. We just need to do the ritual again. That's why the ritual is important. One of them shoves into me, then another. The next push sends me to my knees, which does wonders for my throbbing ankle. Like this, with the men encircling me like a fallen dancer in a mosh pit. I spy where the paperweight has rolled. It's under the couch, and one side leans out from between Couch David's legs. All I can make out is Ona. Erez remains out of sight. I beat back the red seething in my brain and manage to tame it sufficiently that I can make my hand seize the paperweight and draw it back to me. I want to be happy. We want to be happy. You are hilarious. I brace myself on one knee, then rise to a wobbly stand. Upright, I swing the rock around, indifferent to the wet, solid thunks, thunks, thunks it makes hitting them. Do they bleed? Can they? Do you? How many times will it take to send them down? How many to keep them there? It will have to be a solid number, one I can believe in like God himself. I am happy, I say, and let the crystal sharp edge pierce the surface of the next David springing at me. Its stride is erratic, herky-jerky, and that's because its arms are sealed by a membrane of grimy, moist skin that descends past its hips. I am happy, finishes Webb David, even as I slash through the top of his head. Happy, I return. Happy! I am not done. I will grind this paperweight into their skulls, find what passes for their brains, and leave every cell in dust. Everyone, hisses Knife David, as I take him on hammering, then scraping down his available flesh with the family trip souvenir, which is not blood-soaked. No, it's black wet soil that sprays as I continue with my rampage. Dirt. All over the keepsake, and me. And everything but fluff. Bubbles knife David through what's left of his bashed-in jaw before he flops back, joining his kin on the floor. Everything does have its own place, its own spot, or else there is chaos, and who can abide that? Mom never could. It's not hard to summon her to mind. Like that, she's there to show me the blocks I've left on the floor in the living room. She's disappointed I haven't picked up after myself. She's not happy with her house looking like this. What would Mom say about this mess? I am not deterred. Door David's nose splinters. Rain David's arm is dislodged from its mooring. One of Couch David's eyes bursts into muck. Movement over by the stairs makes me think one of them is headed up to Josie to comfort. But how can I be sure that there isn't a darker purpose? Spurred to further aggression, I know this must end. Faces swim around me. I am at the center of the tempest, twirling, wheeling the souvenir in frenzied arcs, feeling the impacts of my arms racing up to my shoulder and neck. Gasping, I drop to one knee, then bounce back despite the pained ankle, despite everything. I throw myself at them and something breaks inside. It's a laugh or a shriek or some mixture that explodes from me. I hear my name. David. Her voice is a church bell chime, but it cannot reach what has been set in motion, no matter how desperately I want to reel back my arm and the rock at its end. Oh, David. Her eyes on mine. She takes the hit. For a moment, I believe it's only the color of her hair that has me seeing red. I want to cling to that moment, 
even as she puts her hand to the dent, and I hear her moan become a soft whistle. She falls. I'm with her, dropping the paperweight. Down on the floor, I cradle her head, watch her lips tremble, and the spark leave her eyes. She's gone. I scream at the ceiling. She's gone. Slowly, the others thin out, recede, fade, till I can no longer hear them or sense their presence. There is only us. Only me and Josie. My tears mesh with her blood as I listen to the drumming on the roof and feel something else. Something I want to push away from my mind even as a voice insists that it could be relief. I move her head off me and onto the carpet as blood forms a red pillow under her. Silence stretches and twists. Reality becomes taffy. I could sit like this with her. I don't have to move. I don't have to do anything. We can be together in this perfect stillness where there is nothing asked of us. I can feel certain, here, that everything is in its right place. I am, and so is Josie. My hand comes to rest on her chest, where I feel nothing. Are you sure? And out they come. Door David, Rain David, Couch David, Knife David, and the rest, resurrected intact. But there are others, too, scuttling across the ceiling on stick-like legs, popping out of the walls, fully formed and half-formed and hardly any recognizable shape at all. They tear themselves free from the floor and whatever they can. Fingers, toes, and teeth. Dirt drapes me, covers me, buries me as they overwhelm. Check her heart, says Door David. Rain David, check her heart. And Couch David, check her breath. Check her pulse, her heart, her breath. Hesitant at first, then urgently, even as I sink deeper into the hole they are making around me, I do, three times, and then again. Again, David. That's why the ritual is important. That was Ed Serkin's Unburied, as read by Dennis Robinson. Dennis Robinson hails from the haunted small town of Gettysburg, along with his floofy newfie, Yoshi. When not narrating, Dennis is one of the crazy people behind the podcast, Botched, a D&D podcast. An improv comedy show draped in the loose skin of Dungeons & Dragons, with a bit of drinking involved. This season is D&D 5th Edition meets the SCP Foundation. For those of you who don't know what the SCP is, think X-Files on steroids, where the cases can range from hilarious to absolutely horrifying. They also have an employee orientation video to help acclimate you to that universe over on the botched YouTube channel. Dennis is also the writer of the graphic novel series Lycan, Solomon's Odyssey, the story of the world's first werewolf, a mix of horror, mythology, adventure, and history. During the month of March, he has his Kickstarter for the third book in the series. You can follow the Kickstarter, or sign up, by heading over to lycanbook.com. The third book is best described as H.P. Lovecraft meets Gilgamesh. And don't worry, if you missed out on the first two books, 
you can get those in the Kickstarter along with a ton of other goodies. I've personally been a big fan of Lycan from the start, and if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. You better believe I'll be jumping on the Kickstarter early once it opens up. The series itself has been great so far, both the artwork and the writing, but the perks for backing it have been pretty sweet as well. I can't wait to see what Dennis has in store this time around. Thank you, Dennis. Well, children of the night, the hour is late and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Lessel Baxter, Paul Belcher, Amanda Carrillo, Amanda Gottfried, and Orion D. Hegra, whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify where you'll find all kinds of perks, like ad-free episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Podchaser, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating or review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs so you can show those around you just how twisted you truly are. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, Crystal Hammond, Spencer Desparty, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we embrace the shifting shadows with more Tales to Terrify. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.